Hello, and welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. There's an old hymn that uh, I've been singing in church since I was a child. That hymn goes like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. What a great truth that we sang. The way to have happiness in Jesus, or put another way, the way to experience joy is through obedience. Now that goes counter to what our fallen human nature says. You know, uh, people who um, want to live it up, want to to do their own thing, uh, want to just pursue happiness for a short season in time, uh, think that to obey is to become a killjoy, you know, that there there is no happiness or joy in obedience, but that's not true. Here in the book of Philippians, in our study, we come to chapter 2, verse 12, and the Apostle Paul said to those Philippian believers, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. And then he goes on. I'll get the rest of it in a moment. But he makes an incredible statement there. He says, they have always obeyed. Wow, what a uh, uh, wonderful thing to say. Now, what were they obeying? Well, they weren't obeying some man's uh, indication, some man's uh, desires. They were obeying the inspired truth of the Word of God that, that God had given through the Apostle Paul. And Paul, in this uh, particular statement here, he begins with the words, uh, so then. Uh, some translations say wherefore. And it ties back to this great passage that we just studied in the last podcast, the passage of the incarnation and the emptying of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, that passage was illustrating uh, humility and the greatest example of humility in Jesus. And in his humility, he obeyed the will of the Father. So now, Paul is, uh, while that's fresh in their mind, he's saying, so then, you too have always obeyed. You've obeyed like, uh, like your Savior obeyed. You have humbled yourself like uh, your Savior humbled himself. And, and now you saw in his humility and obedience, Jesus is experiencing exaltation. And, and he is uh, um, experiencing that glorification, the glory that he once had with, with the Father. Well, Paul goes on to say, uh, let me read this verse again. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. So, um, in obedience, Jesus was exalted. In, in the Philippians' obedience, they will experience growth, sanctification, and Christ-likeness. Work out. Work out. This is uh, referring to the uh, uh, ongoing obedient process that God uses to, to uh, sanctify us. And, and sanctification... Um, in this instance, is practical sanctification. To sanctify means to be set apart, to be set apart from sin to holiness, to be in the process of be, becoming more um, 
righteous in our lifestyle uh, and and living out the righteousness that that is there. L- listen, this has all got to be put in the context of the next verse, though. It says, "For it is God who is at work." in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So here in these two verses, in in verses uh, 12 and 13, is uh, that great um, contrast, if you will. It's it, it actually is that great paradox. It seems as there there are two different um, opposing views that are coming together that that, that that don't make sense logically together, but they are, and, and that is God's sovereignty versus man's responsibility. Verse thirteen makes it very clear, though it is God who is at work. If God is not at work, there is no uh, obedience. There is no righteousness. There is no possibility of growth in in uh, in becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's God's work in us. We are working out our salvation, not working for our salvation. It is the salvation that God has worked in us. God is at work to will. It says that that is to give us the desire. We don't even have a desire to do the right thing apart from God working in us to give us that desire. And to work for His good pleasure. That's the reason. God puts in us the motivation, the reason uh, to, to obey. And that is to please God. To please God. And, and I have no desire to please God apart from His grace working in my life to cause me to want to please Him. I like what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says, But by the grace of God... I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain or empty or, or without result. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Paul said, anything that I've done, it's all about the grace of God. <clears throat> the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 says this, Now the God of peace who brought us up from the dead... The great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even our Lord, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow, that's a that's a, an awesome statement. There, it is God who is working in us to equip us to do His will. Uh, to do every good thing. It is God who does that. Now, because of God's working in us, then uh, we are able, we are enabled to take responsibility for uh, what what is in us and to work out our salvation and to do it with fear and trembling. And that doesn't mean in a terrified way, but uh, with uh, the respect and awe of, of Almighty God and what He is doing in us. And, and, and that's exactly what that means there. Well, we go on. In verse 14, he says, "...do all things without grumbling or disputing." Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, in this particular case, uh, it's talking about the attitude that God wants us to have in obedience. You know, obedience isn't just like, oh, okay, 
All right, I'm standing up. It's like a little boy that was told to stand up. He says, all right, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. Uh, he had a, an attitude problem. Well, here, uh, the Lord is instructing the Philippian believers through Paul to do all things, all that obedience, without grumbling or disputing. Uh, no grumbling. That is uh, referring to uh, an emotional kind of reaction, you know, not to have the wrong emotions. Uh, the word grumbling there is just exactly what it sounds like. Grumble, 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 grumble. It's that, that low kind of muttering that comes out of a, a, an emotional reaction. Don't have that. And then he says, without disputing, no disputing. That is uh, uh, on an intellectual level. Those that, that doubting and that questioning, you know, don't, don't do it. If God says it, do it. If God says it, do it because God always looks out for our best interest. He wants what is best for us out of his love for his children. So uh, no grumbling, no emotional uh, uh, pushback and and no intellectual questioning uh, of what God is asking there. That's the attitude that God wants us to have in obedience. In verse 15 says, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent blameless and innocent. Here is the result of obedience. It is the ongoing proving. That word prove yourself is an indication of an ongoing proving process. And ongoing, as we obey, uh, the result is we will prove uh, in an ongoing process that we're blameless. And that word blameless means uh, essentially the, the inability for anyone to criticize us due to sinfulness in our lives. You know, they, they, they can look, at, but they won't find anything. Now, not perfection. We all slip and fall. But we're, this is talking about uh, uh, obvious, glaring, ongoing, sinful patterns and habits. Blameless, unable to be criticized, and innocent. That's purity, a, a life that's lived in, in purity. And, and uh, if we're obeying, that's, that's what's going to happen. It's not going to be mixed in with, with a uh, habit of sinful, sinfulness in, in that case. And then it goes on to say that we would be above reproach. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and, gen and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. You see, uh, it says that we'll live a life that is above reproach, that is straight, that is right, versus a crooked and perverse generation. Crooked is the word that we get our word scoliosis of the spine. That's a spine that's out of whack. And this generation's out of whack and perverse. It's, it, that's an intensifying of that word. It is a twisted generation, all uh, twisted away from God's way, a dark generation. But it says we will appear or shine forth as lights or luminaries or stars in a dark sky. The contrast there that 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 our life of obedience, we will shine out. You see, it, this world is dark. This world is sinful. This world is nasty in many ways, very dark. But when we live in obedience to Christ, we are shining forth as lights. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine that they may that men may see your good works and glorify your father that is in heaven and so god is saying there you will be shining out in your obedience and verse 16 talks about holding forth the word of life that means offering to the world based on our life as we are living and shining we can offer to the world the hope that is in us we can offer them the word of life um, they want to see it before they hear it 
The world wants to see the reality in our life of Christ. And when they see the reality, it gives us the basis to share the reality with them, to hold forth. And, and we got to live it, but we also got to lip it. We got to speak it out of our lips, sh sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And obedience to Jesus provides the opportunity to do that and the reality of that. And and Paul summarizes in, in the last uh, part of verses um, uh, 16 and 17. He says, So that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Paul says, uh, I'm getting joy in your obedience. And ultimately in the day of Christ, when I see Jesus, my aim is to have joy that I was able to minister to you and see you obedient to Christ and see you joy in obedience as well. What a great passage of Scripture. We're going to look at the next passage on the next podcast. Until then, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.